yesterday. Okay, and then we spoke about that that kind of special love that Tzaddik experiences is a gift, right? A gift on the one is not something you deserve, you don't earn, but on the other hand, I believe the technical term is it's not give it willy-nilly, right? You don't hand it around willy-nilly. Okay, we are, um, the end of the line says, therefore Job said, on page 62. Okay. So, therefore, therefore Job said, you have created righteous men. One of the questions that Balthazar starts to tie you off with is that Job is quoted in the Talmud um, As uh, it's brought in the Talmud, it's discussed. Job is quoted as complaining to God that God created righteous people, created tzaddikim, and created wicked people. The problem being is that whether one is righteous or wicked presumably is up to one's free will. Yes, that, that should be pretty straightforward. Does God decree that you're a tzaddik, or do you determine that you're a tzaddik? Um, What is the resolution to this question? Does God determine whether or not you are a tzaddik, or do you determine whether or not you are a tzaddik? Explain. <clears throat> it sounded like a good answer. Um, I'd imagine, like, I don't know, it's a complex question of Bechira, right? So there's people, there's a machlokas about whether or not it's in your hands, really, or... No, there's no machlokas about that. I thought there is. Whether you can be a tzaddik? No, about free will. No machlukas? About what it applies to, what it doesn't? The exact scope of it, but free will is, there's nothing real, I mean, free will is a, is a basic fundamental idea of Judaism. So then you are... So it's up to you. you. Right. Yeah. Okay. So how could Job, how could Eov say that God creates righteous people? This is, this is, everything we've just learned is supposed to explain what Job said, right? Because you can behave in a way that Hashem sees that you're worthy of the gift of Right, in other words, right, Hashem doesn't just go around saying, poof, you're a tzaddik, right? But being a tzaddik actually is something that is bestowed upon you by Hashem, but you have to be worthy, worthy of receiving the gift. You're not entitled to receive the gift, but you're worthy of receiving the gift, right? Now, it's a little bit deeper than that, because it says in the Zohar, keep going, inside, it is also said in Tikkunai Zohar that in the souls of Israel, there are many kinds and gradations and distinctions. There are many kinds of souls. Pious men, strong men who gain mastery over their nature, scholars of the Torah, prophets, and so on, tzaddikim, and so on. And look over there for more information. There are many kinds of people each one has a different kind of a soul. So I'll explain to you what this means. Why? 
Are certain people faced with particular opportunities, challenges and opportunities that they have and other people are faced with other ones? But that just raises the question, why, but why can't some people handle it and some people can't? <clears throat> Nature. What? Nature, like you're built differently. So the idea in Kabbalah is there's different kinds of souls. Some souls are equipped for this kind of thing and some souls are equipped for that kind of thing. And so, now, just because you are equipped for something, does that mean you will actually succeed in that? No. So, if we look at our lives, what we'll notice is that every person has the particular capacities, capabilities, opportunities, tendencies to serve Hashem in a particular kind of way. For example, certain people are just not going to be the chief rabbi of a city. It's not going to happen. Why not? Ultimately, it's because that's not, their soul is not the kind of soul that, and therefore, the human being is not given the appropriate skills, techniques, whatever, to be able to do that because the soul is not set for that. Okay? So now, becoming a tzaddik <coughs> depends on receiving this state of love from Hashem, right? This divine gift. But on the other hand, is everybody capable of being a person who's worthy of that gift? No. Does that make sense? Okay. So now, this isn't developed so much clearly here. Um, it's actually not really developed very, at great length in Tanya at all. Uh, it's mentioned a few places kind of parenthetically. In, in the introduction to the second section of Tanya, it's a little bit more at length. But I want to go into a little bit. What is different about the souls of people who are tzaddikim? And we're not talking about the special tzaddikim like Moshe, Baal Shem Tov, whatever, people like that. People become tzaddikim. What is special about their souls prior to them being a tzaddik? In other words, what do their souls have that enable them to really, again, deserving not the right word, but really be worthy of this gift? Potential. Yeah, but what, what, what is that potential? What do they have? I don't know, because every soul wants to connect to Hashem. So it obviously has to be something so, about connecting to Hashem, right? But that's not going to differentiate one soul from another. Exactly, so that's why it's sort of like a refined... If every soul has the same desire to connect to Hashem, that should, in theory, motivate every Jew to connect to Hashem, but not everyone does that. Right, but isn't there a difference between a soul having a desire and a soul having an ability? Right, that's true. So it's just the difference between if every soul wants to connect to Hashem, some souls are actually closer, so they can, like, I don't know, maybe it's like they're running races and different souls. Some people have the work to go to get to the end, you know, Well, that would be the like that would be the Okay. Well, instead of guessing, I'm gonna I'm gonna just read to you the criteria that it says in the introduction to the second section. I know it's not printed in front of you. I'll just make a list, and then we'll try and understand what these things are. Okay. Some of them are innate, and some we'll just go through the list. Okay. Um, 
Okay. Okay. It requires a great refinement of one's physical grossness. Okay. Okay. Um, Is that a soul thing? One second. One Wait, second. Yes, that was the English translation. I'm going to give you the Hebrew also. I'm not thrilled with that translation. Zichuch um, refining the material, me'oid, me'oid, very, very much. Okay. Then it says you also need a lot of Torah and mitzvahs. There's a lot of Torah and mitzvahs will set aside because like anybody here is going to do a lot of Torah and mitzvahs. Okay. Um, And it says that when one, one so when one ref, um, refines their material very, very, very much, and they do a lot of Torah mitzvahs, then they merit a level called the neshama. The neshama is above the ruach and the nefesh. There's three levels of the soul. The lowest is called the nefesh. Above that is the ruach. The highest level is called the neshama. Right. So if you refine your material, the chaymer of your life, very, very, very much. And also, you have a lot of Torah mitzvahs. Then you merit this level called the neshama. And that's what gives you the divine bliss. Okay? So now... You're somewhat in the process. You've already proven yourself somewhat. Okay, so what is it about this soul? Like, this soul is... I mean, is this soul capable of doing more mitzvahs than other souls are capable of doing? No. That's not really the difference. The difference has to do with this refining of the material. That um, some souls are able to really refine their material existence and some souls are not. What does that mean? Some souls are able to refine their material existence. Some souls are not. I mean, everybody's able to serve Hashem. Everybody's able to do the Torah mitzvahs. Everybody's able to arouse feelings of desire for Hashem, like we said before. So, what's the difference? What can the tzaddik do prior to meriting that loftier level called the neshama, which gives them the divine bliss, which really transforms them into a tzaddik? can change his actual self. He can change his self. And that's a special ability. Right, and I want to explain to you what that ability is because it's a little bit not intuitive. Okay. I'm going to start with a simple, simple. Let's say something really bothers you. Okay? What do you have to use to not let that govern your behavior? Something really bothers you, and if you just let that govern your behavior, you're going to end up doing all sorts of things you shouldn't do. Right? We all have that in life. If someone annoys you, something gets you. Why do you get yourself to do the right thing even though you... What, what faculty do you use? Okay, but... What... Do children have self-control? No. Do adults supposedly have self-control? Yes. Why? 
very good. There's a brain development, right? There's, there's an ability to relate to something beyond just how you're experiencing it. Does that make sense? Okay. In Hasidus, this is called Meichin, the mind, or Das. You have the ability to relate to things for what they are rather than just have your, everything colored by your subjective perceptions. Make sense? It's not directly correlated with how smart you are, by the way. So for instance, you could have someone who's very, very smart, but it's all in a kind of a theoretical sense. In reality, like the whole experience of reality is very immature, childlike, animalistic. Make sense? Okay. Okay, let's take another step. What if you're really upset about something and you know that you shouldn't be? No. Can you can you stop being upset about it? What? Yeah. 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 What would you have to use? Your higher faculties. Cognition. That's that same faculty. It's a, it's a it's a it's a deeper manifestation now, right? So it's one level of you know das to be able to say I'm not going to you know I grant that I feel this way, but I shouldn't act on it. It's another level of das to say grant that I feel this way, but I'm going to let go of that feeling, right? We discussed that in, in the context of the Bani, right? Okay, now let's go a step further. Do you have certain personality traits? Mm -hmm. Yes. What if those personality traits aren't appropriate? Can you change them? What does that mean? You can't inherently... I thought we learned that personality traits can have a positive side and a negative side. So you can change the... Right, that's not what I'm asking. Can you change your personality traits? Let's say, for instance, you are a more... No, you um, You are a more um, precocious, outgoing, um, free-spirited type of person. Can you become... Can you, if you realize that that's maybe not what it's called for, can you become a deep and... Um, introspective person? Like, can you really make your, turn yourself from one into the other? No, I mean, now that you're saying that, that doesn't seem like your, like, tem- like, temperament you can't change. You could change certain, like, like, if you want to be a deeper person, you can delve that's into... Not that's not what I'm asking. I'm, so, like, I mean, what's your question? Like, you no, you have, there are people, look, so, so there are people, there are people that they're more, they're more interested in what's going on around them. They're more um, easy to, 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 to just go with the flow of things. Um, they easily get bored unless something new is going on. And you have other people who are very the opposite. Like they want, like the, the, that, they're not, that does not at all resonate with them, doesn't speak with them. That, they're the kind of person who would prefer to be left alone. Um, they want to sit with one thing for an extended period of time. They dwell on things for months and for years. They go deeper and deeper into a world where the only real participant maybe is themselves. Temperamentally, personality-wise, if you're one, can you make yourself into the other? No. Not really, right? Why not? It's inborn. It's your 
That's your makeup. You can change how you relate to it. You can change the substance. So why can I change my behavior? Why can I change how I feel after the fact? Why can't I change those things? Those are not the core that you could change that. Oh, oh, because these things are the core of who I am. That your argument is those other things are superficial, they're not the core of who I am. Behavior is what you do, right. but your like temperament is you. Yeah, you can't change that. Okay. I think. So you there there are times at which Hasidis and the psychology like depart slightly. Or maybe more than slightly. Everything has a nature. The nature of emotions is you act on them. Does that make sense? If you're angry, you act in an angry manner. If you're joyous, you act in a different Right? That's the nature. If a person is feeling an emotion, the nature of the emotion is to lead to a behavior, right? What is it that gets you past the nature of your emotion that leads to a behavior? Is, what do we say that was? You have, you're, if you're feeling upset about something and you just like let that feeling run its natural course, that's going to influence your behavior. If you, want to, if you want to go past the nature in that respect, not the nature of your humanness, just the nature of that emotion, what do you have to do? You have to be in touch with something else called that, the mind, maturity, das, whatever you want to call it, yes? And that enables you to say, granted, I'm angry. This is a whole thing. Yes, you're angry, and yes, you want to hit the person, but no, you don't have to, right? So what does the maturity do? The maturity tells you that the nature is not actually defining, right? In this case, it's not your nature, like your deep human nature, it's just the nature of a particular experience, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go a step up. You feel a certain way, right? Now you say, I'm upset. Why am I upset? Because someone hurt me. Okay, one second. The nature of, the nature of that perception of, of, of being hurt is that it leads to feeling being upset, let's say. But does it have to? Could you get past that kind of natural... Correlation, right? And again, that's a deeper use of your mind, deeper use of your das. So there's an idea in Hasidus that the deeper you go in, your, in, in, in the mind, the freer you are from your heart, from your nature. Yeah. Okay? So a little child, right? It, a little child, everything is very natural. And this is not meant to be a positive thing. What it means natural? If you hurt them, they will be upset, and then they will hit you. I have little kids, that's how it works. Or if you, if, you, if you take something, they will be upset, and then they'll throw things on the floor. And boom, 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 right? Add some das, add some connection to something higher than that, and what happens? You can break that, that natural pattern on the most superficial level that how you feel doesn't necessarily turn into what you do, right? That's something we all are familiar with? Yeah. Okay, then you go a little bit more das. What, you, what happened doesn't necessarily, the way you perceive doesn't necessarily have to be the way you feel about it. You could change your perception of it to see it in a positive light, to not to be upset about it, right? We can change how we feel about things, yes? Your temperament, your personality, that's also kind of a nature, right? Yes? Mm -hmm. So in theory, following the logic, if one had a sufficient kind of a das, a kind of an awareness, something higher, could they free themselves of even that nature? Not completely, but yeah. Why not? No, I think 
Maybe in an ideal world, yeah. In an ideal world, right? In a, in, in, in a world where things are not constrained by, by just the basic notion that everything ultimately is limited. In other words, if you had a das, if you had an, a connection, awareness of godliness and the true <laughs> infinite flexibility of godliness, and that was something you were really connected to, you were really in touch with, could you reshape your character, your personality in accordance with what is appropriate given God's will? Does that theoretically make sense? Not asking you in practice. I'm, I'm interested in whether when we talk about like nature, character, and personality, are those then aspects of the animal soul? And that the difference is that as we elevate the, like have a greater awareness of godliness and, and elevates our like godly soul, that we have more control or like are less tied to our personality. No, no, no. Because no. the, godly, the godly soul also has both the elements. Okay. So what is it that... I, I, I specifically did not talk about animal soul and godly soul. There's a I pattern know. here, right? That... Well, let me... Let me you know, if you go out and look at the world, the world is a certain way. The minute you start using your mind, you can change the world to suit what you think it ought to be, Right? That's also true with us, right? So just because I feel a certain way doesn't mean my behavior has to be that way. I'm using my mind to alter the behavior. I go deeper. Just because I feel a certain way doesn't mean I should feel that way about this particular thing, right? I can change that. Well, that pattern, if you don't have anything, any principle limiting it, which our resident psychologist feels that there should be, which we'll finally talk about that in a second, but if there is no limiting principle, then in theory, a sufficient sense of what's ultimately real and ultimately important, ultimately true, should allow us to reshape even things that are much seemingly more fundamental, like are the kind of person we are, the temperament that we have. Now, that would mean that you would have to have a sense of the reality of God that, that, that frees, you from, frees you from feeling like what, what human beings feel like, like my temperament is me. My, that there are these fundamental limiting things about me. In other words, you have to have a sense of, of, of godliness that allows you to kind of reshape and redefine yourself the way an engineer reshapes and defines the natural world, the way we expect little children as they mature to be able to reshape and define their behavior, or as we move into adults, to be able to reshape our particular experience in a particular situation so it's more constructive. If you start to have, a, if you are able to have a sense of the real reality of God, then there's no limiting principle. And if you, if there's something in your character which is not fitting for the way things are supposed to be in the world, as God envisions it, you can just reshape yourself. And, and, was like, and the thing is like this, it's very important. This is not normal. This is a, because how does psychology works by examining the world empirically and modeling it. And people can't do this. In fact, most godly souls can't do this. In order to do this, you need a, you need a very deep sense of awareness of God that changes your whole perception of reality, including your own inner reality. It allows you to take a lot more of an active role in reshaping yourself in a way that regular people can't really do. 
We achieve sometimes little states of it, like when we're in deep, reflective, meditative states in prayer or something like that. But we don't really... You can succeed at it fully. Whereas these tzaddik souls... Right. So they look... look. Uh, there's this raw material. There's this human character. But that human character isn't as it should be. Let me reshape it. I mean, basically what this is, what you're saying is like temperament is not actually part of self. Exactly. But it's very, very tightly tied up with self. And so only On this like exotic souls can separate the temperament from self and then begin to shape the temperament as separate from the self. Right. So I'm going to give you a simple analogy of this idea. This is the analogy that's found in Exodus. There's the person who brings the meat from the market home. And what they've done is they've taken something which is out in the public domain and brought it home in the private domain. But the meat stays meat. The flour stays flour. Then there's the person who cooks the things. And what are they doing? Okay, so what is the difference between someone who is... between someone who is... who is... 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 is has a special capability that Tzaddik is capable of. What they're, what they're doing, what they're engaging with is they see themselves as raw material and they are going to reshape that raw material in accordance with what is the truth of God. If God is true, then what should I look like? If God is... So for them, if, if God is great, um, then I should be enthralled with God. If God has a mission for me, I should be devoted to God. They literally just reshape their entire thing. And if God is generous, then I should be a conduit of his generosity. If God is um, deep, profound, and, and unknowable, then I should become that, a, a being that, 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 that embodies that. They literally, a person reshapes themselves in accordance with their perception of God. Now, we expect that of everybody when it comes to our behavior. We expect us to reshape our behavior in accordance with what are you know, constructive things in society and in life, right? We also, as we mature, we expect us to reshape our particular feelings about things as we navigate through life so that they're more healthy and constructive, right? But we do think there's a limiting point. There's a point at which it's like, this is who you are, this is your nature, and like, you can't go beyond that, right? Because you are a created, limited being. If you had an awareness of God that really resonated with you, then you wouldn't see, you wouldn't really see your temperament, your personality as any more you, any more what defines you than your behavior. And so you would be able to engage in a process of reshaping. And that doesn't mean everybody would look the same because each person would reshape themselves according to what, you know, what aspect of godliness they're supposed to represent, embody, enliven, bring into the world. To some degree, do most Siddiquim have similar, what would we call it, similar personalities? No, they have radically different ones. But the How thing, was it, because the thing is, their radical personalities has everything to do with their perception of God. It, in other words, what the, what the tzaddik neshama has the ability to do is the ability to say, and when you say it out, it sounds a little bit silly because it's not like a thought out process. But if this is the way God is, then this is the way I need to be. And then they become that way. Like they are that in touch. They're that connected. God is that real to them that 
they're, they're, they, they view their own human character as like raw material to reshape. Now, if the way God is relating himself is in a particular aspect, like say kindness, well then obviously they're going to become an embodiment of chesed and kindness and say it. So there's a very big difference. And I was like this, let's think. What's the difference between kind people and Avram Avinu? Why was Avram kind and why are kind people kind? They're people who are kind. They're people who are just, they're, they're, they're naturally kind people. What's the difference? They have a kind personality versus Avram was like, embodied like, of right. kindness. Right, but I want to do the psychological difference. Avraham, let's do the other. The other person, they're a kind person, and that, that's almost like a shell. It's a prison. Like, like, they're stuck that way. That's the way they were made, and that's the way they are, and they can't really do anything about it. Now, they can, they can not act kind when it's not appropriate, right? They can arouse maybe feelings of vengeance if they really need to, but they can't really fundamentally change the fact that they're like a very just generous kind of a person. Okay? That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Avraham knew Hashem. Knew Hashem in such a way that it, 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 it reshaped who he was. Now, the thing is, he knew Hashem in Hashem's kindness, so therefore Avraham was. Well, what would have happened theoretically if Avraham knew Hashem's gvura, Hashem's judgment? What would have happened to Avraham? He would have been a totally different person. In other words, what you're seeing is a reflection of what he knows about Hashem, not a reflection of his own nature. There's a person that says, I'm a kind person. Let me, th- that kindness should then be used to serve Hashem. There's this meat. I went from the market, brought it into the house. I'm a, I'm a very analytical person. Let me use that analytical um, tendency to serve Hashem. Okay, you bring the flour from the, from the market into your home. But you can't eat flour, you don't eat raw meat. What do you eat? You eat cooked food, right? There's another kind of soul which says, if God is in such and such a way, then I need to be the kind of being that manifests, that reveals the truth of God. And that's it. And, and, and that's their whole life. That means that, that means that their knowledge of God is so deep and so real and so profound that they are masteries over themselves. They are, they're, like, they're like a potter, but the clay they're working with is their own being. Like, I can, I can take, you know, all the material outside of myself and work with it. And to a limited extent, we can work with ourselves. But to have, like, this kind of total mastery over yourself and to change yourself to be nothing other than a, 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 a channel to bring Hashem's godliness into the world in whatever way God shows Himself to you means you have to have a tremendous connection, a tremendous awareness of God. That makes sense. It's a, it's a very, it's, so it's there's the 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 the, the There's tzaddik who becomes a tzaddik. What is he doing? He is a person who has worked to make himself someone who every part of his being is just about connecting to Hashem in whatever way Hashem presents Himself to him. Do we have that ability to master ourselves to that degree? No. Is that because? we're not in touch with our godly soul or because our godly soul doesn't have that kind of an awareness of Hashem to begin with. 
It's the second one. In other words, if we were to get in touch with our godly soul, the most thing we could get with is our natural... What did the Altarba say about the Bainini? The Bainini is able to get in touch with the fact that we naturally have a love for Hashem. Right? We love Hashem. Our godly soul loves Hashem. The way a person loves their own life. That is a natural phenomenon. In other words, the root of everything the Bainini is really doing is they're able to rise above whatever human limitations they have because their soul has a natural love of God. But a natural love of God is what? It's your, it's something that's yours. The tzaddik carries with a totally different capacity. The tzaddik carries with the capacity to know Hashem, to see Hashem, and to reshape himself based on what he sees. It's a very different dynamic. And therefore, the tzaddik is able to become a person who, who is, a, is, is a vessel for Hashem to share something very profound and intimate. It's not the same type of a thing. If you want to think about an analogy, um, most of us love our parents. Not everybody. Most people love their parents, right? Even if you don't love their parents deep, 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 deep down, there's a natural love for parents. Okay. If your parents weren't your parents, would you still love them? No. I mean, maybe you have amazing pa- people for parents, but most people, is if, if they weren't my parents, right? like I met them now as an adult. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Not that interesting. <laughs> maybe they're not, you know. So the whole connection is really based on what? Based on the fact that you know your parents or because you have a natural attachment to your parents? You have a natural attachment. Okay. Now, are there things about you that are very different because of what you know? Yes. Yeah. For instance, um, there are things that are important to you because you've gained knowledge about the world, about society, about values, right? These things, and they've reshaped and changed you on some level, right? Some souls have the capacity to know Hashem in that way, that they're able to reshape their entire self in accordance with what they know of Hashem. So the, what their, their love of Hashem or their fear of Hashem is not, is not a manifestation of my soul's innate attachment to Hashem, but rather my soul's ability to know Hashem. Now, that doesn't mean our souls don't have that ability at all. We have that ability, but we have that ability to bring ourselves to an experience once in a while, as the Altar said, in prayer. But not to really, totally take your whole life and reshape it the way a potter reshapes clay and makes it into something. Potter takes clay and makes it into a vessel. You can, use, you, you can take, a, you can take a, a stone and use it as a doorstop, right? But you're using it. You're not reshaping it, right? What is the potter doing? Reshaping it. Reshaping it. So it's a different capacity. It's a different aspect. That there's a soul that has the ability to know Hashem, and therefore the feelings that's experiencing are feelings that are, are, are brought about any intention is not the right word, but intentionally to to make that they should, they, should, they should live up to what they know. Right? They shouldn't, so to speak, be a hypocrite. If you really know this truth, it should be reflected in who you are. And that's not what's going on with most souls. With most souls, what's the real core strength of that soul is that they have a love for Hashem, which is get a natural drive, like, the, like a person's drive towards life itself. 
And that is enough for us to overcome ourselves and, 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 and keep ourselves on the right track and make a life devoted to Hashem. But it's not enough to reshape the totality of who we are. You ever... You, you, You ever re- realize that like little kids don't get things? They're just things they just fundamentally don't get because their minds aren't developed enough. How you're related to them if you're not their sibling? What? Like how you're related to them if you're not your sibling? Right. It's just like this. It's, it's 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 beyond them, right? <laughs> right. Okay. And then there's a whole other thing. You person can understand something conceptually, but can it be those be real to them? So Chassidim would say there's an analogy, right? There was a little kid, and they found some papers, and they, they ripped up the papers because they thought it was fun. And those papers ended up being important documents. And the parents are obviously very upset. It's not just the parents can understand that the documents are important, the children can't. The parents, the, the only thing real about those documents is the, you know, the, the financial value that they have, right? The, the, the paper is irrelevant, right? It's the legal, financial part of it. That's the, and that's so real, it, 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 it affects their initial way of experiencing, it affects their emotions from the outset. Okay, so can you have a sense of Hashem that's that real? And remember, Hashem is not limited by a particular nature. Hashem is not limited by, by oh, he can't be this way, he can't be that way. And you see, this is who Hashem is, and this is what Hashem is about, and that drives you and that empowers you and that frees you and that guides you into reshaping yourself so that, that your life becomes all about that presentation of Hashem that you know. Does every godly soul have that capacity? No. And therefore, even when we experience deep, deep desires that come from the depths of our soul or we know Hashem and we bring ourselves to experiences, we're not really a we're not really a a proper vessel for this kind of a an experience that God Hashem should grant us. In other words, if I work on loving Hashem and loving Hashem and loving Hashem and loving Hashem, and I reach the highest levels, all I'm doing is achieving an experience. Right, it only takes you so far. Right, that experience could either reflect some deep aspect of the nature of my godly soul, or it could be something I brought myself to by having an awareness of Hashem at the moment. But that awareness is not something that, that, that is transformative to my whole being. And a tzaddik is able, a tzaddik is someone whose neshama has that capacity. Now, does it mean he has to utilize that capacity? No. So he produces love, produces fear through his awareness of Hashem, but in a way that it genuinely transforms who he is as a person. And once he's achieved that, together with a tremendous amount of Torah and mitzvahs, Hashem might feel that, I want to share with this person some sense of, of a, a, a direct experience of what godliness really is like. And then what happens? He's transformed. He's completely freed from the attachments of the animal soul. So it is a cooperative kind of an effort. It's a very intimate kind of a thing. The, 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 
the soul of a tzaddik has to have this very deep connection to Hashem that's not based on their own nature, but based on Hashem. based on awareness of Hashem. Does the neshama carry that capacity to bring that awareness about so fully that changing your temperament, changing your character can be something like changing your behavior or changing your, and changing your feelings about something. Not all neshamas. Not all neshamas can do that. Those are very lofty neshamas. But of course, they have to actually do it. And even doing that doesn't really make you a tzaddik. All it does is makes you a fitting vessel to receive this avabatanugam, this divine bliss. I was learning Gemara with my son last night. So on the side of the Gemara, there's a commentary called the Teisvis. Okay. So just to understand the story. The Gemara dis- is discussion centered around the teachings of the Mishnah. Okay. And basically the Gemara sounds like this. Why did the Mishnah say that? Why didn't it say this other thing? And how come the Mishnah said this over here if it said that other thing over there? And if you're going to say that this Mishnah means that, but then, then wouldn't that contradict this Mishnah over here, right? That's what the Gemara sounds like, okay? Sometimes it could quite get involved. Tosvos is like Gemara on Gemara. So Tosvos is like, well, why did the Gemara say this over here? How does that feel with what it says over there or there? And if you're going to explain it, that the way to reconcile is this, but then this thing, the third thing it says on this other place, unless you understand that that's not really... It goes on and on. Right? So you can imagine there's a lot of men, mental agility needed to do this, right? It's not just information. Okay. Which means it's very easy to get lost because you can quickly lose the train of thought. Okay. And so kind of the measure of it, I mean the, the measure of it is like, can you just like say it over like a, like a straightforward story? Like, you know, one thing after the other without losing your train of thought. If you can do that and it's clear and you really get it, then good. Um... And what you'll notice is that not everybody's the same in that ability. There are people, and you explain them one point, and they get it. You're like, okay, now, given that, the following. I'm like, okay, and you can see that they're slowly losing it. Like, like, they, like holding on to the second thing, it's coming at the expense of having clarity about the first thing. Say, now, that second point, right, which is based on the first point, contradicts the third third point and like boom the whole thing collapses it's like a Jenga game I'm not kidding like I have Gamar students and you just see you just see like like they're with you they're with you they're with you and like and the reason is the reason is it's the reason is there's something about the mind's ability to really get that first point so you don't even need to remember it anymore you're not remembering the first point you get it you get it the way you know how to make a cup of coffee you get it once you get it, you know with zero mental energy. It's, like, it's not like some people have the ability to juggle 20 things in their head. No one has that ability to juggle 20 things in their head. But if you got the first thing and you really got it, now it requires no mental energy. It's just a given. It's just there. You know it. And so then it's just obvious second thing. You see what I'm saying? Like, and you see that not everybody is the same in that. Anyways, I'm sitting with my son and a little bragging now. And it wasn't the simplest thing. It's a, it's a long, complicated commentary of Tosfos. And you just, it, I mean, it didn't right away, but very shortly, like, oh, so this, 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 and that's this, and over there we say that, but they're not because of this, and this, and this, and this, and like, it's all 
clear. And that has to do with the ability not to just understand, but to take something and get it, absorb it. Okay? Now that's purely in the realm of intellect. We also have that in the realm of life. Right? That's what this calls das, right? You get it in a way that you get it, not conceptually, you get it as life. And once you get it as life, you don't have to remember it all the time. Like, like, do you have to remember, do you have to remember to, to, to not to steal? That's an interesting question. Do you have to remember not to steal? Don't steal. I'm not to steal. It's not yours. Don't touch it. Or do you walk around with a very basic sense, the world is divided into three things. Those things which are mine, those things which are other people's, and those things which are no, belong to nobody and free for the taking. It's just like that is how we relate to the world. We don't even have to like consciously remember it. It's there. Yeah? yeah. You might make a mistake about which thing goes into which category. That's, that's a different thing. But, but, but the, that category is just there, right? You get it. Okay. Some neshamas have the ability to get godliness. Not what we described about our neshamas, that we have an innate attachment, an innate desire. They get it. They can get it, right? So if they, the minute they pay attention, like, I get it. God is infinitely wise. I, I get it. And not on the intellectual level, on the level of life. And if you have such a soul and you get things in that way, what is going to happen to your personality, your temperament, your character? It becomes a part of something. And such a person can make themselves a vessel for Hashem says, you know what? You're, you're close enough. I, I can share this with you. You don't have to leave this physical world for me to show you you know, what godliness is really all about. And that person is what we call a tzaddik. Some neshamas are given that ability, some neshamas are not. So yes, Hashem creates tzaddikim, but being a tzaddik is, your, is also, you know, you, you know like you're not born magically a tzaddik, and there's a special tzaddikim, which is a whole different discussion. Does that make sense? Okay. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Is it possible for someone to like, it's just like purely curiosity, to start this journey later on in life? Like, have the ability for however many years and just like, yeah. 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 So, like, technically speaking, you could, it's possible that one of us here could come inside. Yeah. Now the thing is, the thing is that there, there, there's state. You can't skip stages. Like the first thing, the, like the, there are things we can, we all can get again. For instance, the fact that Hashem is in charge is something every godly soul has the ability to really get. So if you can't get the fact that Hashem is in charge, now if you go, if you've gotten the fact that Hashem is in charge, then what's off the table in your life? If you really got it, that Hashem is in charge, He's the King, He's in charge. Sinning, Sinning is off the table, right? <laughs> So if you're not a Bainani, like the idea of becoming a tzaddik is like, right? right? I, I want to be like, like, yeah. But like technically speaking. It's theoretically possible. It's theoretically. It's unlikely because generally speaking, people are very lofty souls. And when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, it's not like all of that capacity just is sitting there dormant. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Rabbi Akiva was a Balchufa. Rabbi Akiva was not uh, a Talmud Chacham. So Rabbi Akiva said that before he, before he became, started learning Torah, whenever he saw a Torah star, a Talmud Chacham, he wanted to bite them like a donkey. He told his students. If I ever saw, whenever the time I saw a Talmud Chacham, everyone knows the story of Rabbi Akiva. He was 40 years old, he was a shepherd, he was illiterate, right? 
Rachel, Rachel was a, she was young, let's put it that way. Rachel was young, she saw Rabbi Kiva had potential, and she promised to marry him if he goes off to study job, right? Okay. What was Rabbi Kiva's attitude before the Rachel gets involved towards, towards Tami the Chavim? If he saw when he wanted to bite him like a donkey. That's what he later on told his students. And his students asked him, why like a donkey? He said, because when a dog bites, all they do is rip the flesh, but donkeys break the bones. Really? Mm-hmm. So, how did Rabbi Kiva feel about Torah scholars? Was he Strongly, right? Now, there's different ways to interpret it, but he was not passive, he wasn't indifferent, he wasn't like, mildly, not for me. He was like, like he had a strong reaction to it, right? Okay. People who have these lofty level souls, that, that capacity just doesn't sit there dormant doing nothing. And so, if it's not being utilized and growing towards Hashem, there's a lot of intensity in some other direction. Which is why, like, again, this is not like a thing, but someone's like, yeah, Hashem, like, mildly indifferent or whatever, like, probably is not going to be, probably is not going to be attacked. And not saying for sure, I don't know, but it... There's higher and higher level, on a very simple level. On a very simple level, the, the verse says, Mashiach comes, kulam yedui, so everyone will know Hashem. If, if what makes you capable of becoming a tzaddik is knowing Hashem, and then you get the, so why not, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if the concealment has gone away and we all know Hashem, so then it's the issue, mm-hmm. right? So, but, but some Hashem has come to the world. They, 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 they have this, you know, and you can see this, you know, on the psychological level, some people are born with, with a sense of something. And if it's not met, it's going to manifest some other way. Like, what if you have someone who's curious? Like, some people are genuinely, genuinely curious about how the world works, how everything fits, how everything makes sense. Like, everybody's a smile, but some people are very intense. Like, that is going to manifest somehow, some way. Maybe possibly, maybe negatively. Right? They're, in other words, they have this deep, deep sense the world is intelligible, the world makes sense. So some neshamas come to the world and they have this deep sense there of, 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 of Hashem and if the person works on developing that and being in touch with that, then they cultivate within themselves a, a, a personality and feelings and temperament and, and attributes which are, which are fitting to, to the way Hashem really is or at least how he presents himself in that particular person's life. And that person has become transformed such that there's a closeness, there's, there's a... There's a, there's a, there's a it, it's, there's a worthiness that Hashem can grant them a glimmer of something else entirely and it totally transforms them. Okay? Um, this, is, this, this idea is, is, is... This idea means that not every neshama is set up for this task. And, you know, some neshamas are, as he puts it, mastery over their nature. Mastery over their nature means... There's a nature and I have to. And so right, that's more like a banani, right? I'm naturally drawn to these things, but I know what's important. I'm going to not let that control me, but it doesn't ever go away. I have to always kind of rein it in. Um, yeah. It sounds though like some people will never, like 
like it is a little bit of a combination of your your doing but your potential is like built into your soul right so not everyone's soul will ever be able to correct so is there a rhyme or reason to that later on the altar but dwells a lot on it chapter 35 he he chapter 35 he asks why would hashem create people who come into the world and cannot transform themselves to that degree because we call it transform right not from the level of godliness no because if we think about it the baden is not really transforming himself mm. it depends what you're measuring right because in, in, the, in the realm of remember from chapter 13 no matter what you're doing has the animal soul actually been transformed in any way shape or formed no all that's happened is that the godly soul is not subjugated to it and so the godly soul takes control over our lives and the animal soul gets relegated to it's being secondary but the animal soul is not actually being transformed and so the question is like, well, what's the point of sending such a soul into the world? Like, why? What are you accomplishing? Alter we discuss a little bit in twenty seven has a deeper answer in twenty five and thirty five. Um, you know, it, because if you have this kind of knowledge and you utilize it and you therefore get the closeness of the divine bliss through that, you're able to transform the entire animal soul in its entirety and turn it into some you know vessel for godliness, and it's all wonderful. But but it's a question. Like the fact that you have the question means you got the point. Not everybody's able to, to achieve this. But the thing is, even if you utilize your potential, does it guarantee you're going to become a tzaddik? No. No. Are there any tzaddikim alive today, according to this definition? Sure, why not? I'm not going to go around and this person oh, right. this person isn't, but like, why not? There's no rule that says there can't be. So what does a tzaddik have to do? The tzaddik has to work on making them that they're the kind of person that really could experience a genuine delight in Hashem. Now, to experience that delight in Hashem, Hashem has to show it to you, right? But you have to work on being that kind of person, which requires knowing Hashem in a very deep and very profound way, which means you have to have a soul who's able to do that, right? And what is the Bainani working on? The what? Like, you also become a Bainini. Bainini's going to be entirely through your own effort. I thought there was some kind of mention that if you really work on transforming your behavior, then Hashem grants you becoming a Bainini. Yeah, like when we were talking about the two judges. So I think the difference... No, but that's... That Hashem gives you the cl- that Hashem assists you in giving you clarity about your own. That that's that's that's. Yes, there is, the, but that assist Hashem is not giving you. What, what's happening there? He says is that Hashem is is illuminating. Um, the, the help that Hashem is is the the the, the illumination that the chacham of your own godly soul provides. In other words. Hashem is giving you a moment of, helping you have a moment of clarity about your own self. And that, and that by the way, we said is the lowest level of being a Baini. Like, you don't, like, you could be a Baini with, with, work on it even on a higher level, right? Where, where it's all you're doing. There's no gift, though, being given. Like, if you're working hard, right? And you're capable, and someone gives you a hand, that's very different than if you're doing something that you cannot achieve without someone else assisting. Those are two very different things. So, and also it's not selective, right? Like and, that, and the bane is not selective. It's just... A bane, if you work that hard, you will always get the assistance, whereas it's not like... Right. 
And again, you're getting the assistance, as we said before, you're getting the assistance because you're, 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 not, you're not in the best state. If you were in a better state, you wouldn't need that assistance. You know, the assistance is to have clarity, right? But if you've achieved the clarity without the assistance, so you have the clarity without the assistance. If you don't have that clarity and you work really hard to try and have that clarity and you're like not getting it, so Hashem will help to turn on the lights for you. But, but at the end of the day, what you're getting is your, how important your connection to Hashem is to you, right? Seeing the truth of the things. You're not, you're not in, a, in a weird sort of way, the Bainani and the Tzaddik are a little bit inverted. What the Bainani is doing is all of his own doing, although sometimes he needs Hashem's help. What the Tzaddik is doing is not as all of his own doing, but the part that he's doing, Hashem doesn't help him at all. So to give you an analogy, um, if I'm cleaning the house, I don't really need anybody else to help me. I can do it by myself. That being said, it could be very overwhelming and very hard, and if I get some assistance, it would be appreciated. It would definitely make it easier. Does that make sense? It's not what I see. I don't... The tzaddik, the characteristic that the Bainani is using to be a Bainani is not something that he's being granted to granted from Hash, by Hashem. So if you go back, and you don't have it in front of you because we're doing copies, okay? So the first judge, it says, is the Yetzirah, on the left side of the heart, okay? Okay? Then, the divine soul in the brain, and the Yetzirah, going down to the Yetzirah, that's the second judge, right? And then, the final verdict is Hashem, and he says the Hashem, yeah? This help is the glow of divine light which illuminates the divine soul. So what does that mean? There's the divine light that illuminates the soul. Okay. So the, the, the later on Altar says that the, the, the soul has the ability to the soul has like a, an, an innate sense of Hashem. It's where Amuna comes from. It's our ability for self-sacrifice comes from. The natural love we spoke about comes from. When that, when there's clarity about that, when that, when that, when that, when that becomes realer to the person, then they're able to break the battle between the, you know, the Yitzhar and the Yitzhar So all that's happening is Hashem is fortifying Hashem is, 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 is making clear something that's already true of the person himself. What the tzaddik is getting is he's getting a revelation that really belongs in Gan Eden. He's being, show, he's being given something that the soul does not naturally have. Okay? So it's like if I mentor somebody, I'll use this again, it's a little bit better. If I mentor somebody, am I actually giving them something they don't have by mentoring them? If they're not really capable on their own, is my mentoring going to help? Does that make sense? I can't, I, like, like if, if, I, I teach people. <laughs> sometimes the person's not so smart and they're just not capable of understanding. Like sometimes the person's not you know, intellectually developed enough to get a certain thing. So no matter how many times you explain, you explain, you explain, you explain, you explain, they're not gonna get it. Why? They're not developed enough to get it. Like, try to explain, like, 
found ideas to a seven-year-old. It doesn't work. It doesn't matter how well you explain it. On the other hand, if there are things that you cannot get on your own, will be something you cannot get on your own. You can't achieve on your own. Marriage. Marriage, right? Because marriage requires the other person to participate, right? It's a very good example. So a Bainani has a, has, has a, a capacity, right? As Altar says in chapter 14, this capacity that I do not want to be separated from Hashem no matter what. That's an innate part of their soul. Hashem can help make it clear to them. They can make clear to themselves. If it's very hard, they're working at it, Hashem will help to ensure that they get there. Okay. But that's not the same thing as being given something which is, which is totally beyond. Which is what the tzaddik is receiving. And in order for the tzaddik to receive it, he has to be an appropriate vessel. He has to make himself worthy of it. Worthy of that gift. Not entitled, but worthy. And his ability to be worthy of that gift is something Hashem's not going to help him with at all. He's going to have to do that all on his own. He has the capacity, but he has to work on it. So it's not like one is doing it on his own and one Hashem's not involved at all. Hashem is involved, they're doing it, but they're, they're very different. I'm preempting a little bit. But what Dalton was going to say going to the next paragraph is that a person's free will doesn't really extend all the way to what is needed to become a tzaddik. But your free will does extend all the way to what needs to be a bainani. If you use your free will to have that maturity, to have that honesty, even if it's very hard, Hashem will make sure that you get that honesty, you get that clarity. Because you chose to be honest with yourself, you chose to be clear about what's important. That you can't just choose to receive this gift from Hashem. And for that matter, you can't necessarily even choose to make yourself the kind of person who's capable of really receiving that gift. And so you can't necessarily make yourself a tzaddik. Even though there are people who do, in some sense, make themselves a tzaddik. And this is all, by the way, an introduction to a problem. Because it sounds like now that the whole message I'm trying to give across is you can't be a tzaddik, right? That's what it sounds like the message is. The exact opposite message is, in, is going to be the, the chapter. So I'm going to say it now so we don't end on the wrong note, and then we'll continue this in the next paragraph um, next week, which is, the altar whole point is, we're obligated to try and be a tzaddik. So how can you try to, how are you supposed to deal with the obligation to be a tzaddik if you're not able to? Right? The, the conclusion of this chapter is not going to be you can't be a tzaddik, so like, focus on being a bainani. His conclusion is, you're obligated to be a baini. You're also obligated to be a tzaddik. Being a baini is something you can do. So obviously just you know, put the pedal to the metal and make it happen. But what are you supposed to do about being a tzaddik if you can't? And what, it's very important that you understand. Like it, the idea here is tzaddikim are very special. They're very different. And therefore, don't worry about it. It's the exact opposite message. Even though you're not capable, even though you can't achieve it. Try anyway. You need to try anyway. So what does that look like? It looks like No, not just in case you are. No? No. No, that was like, no, no, no. We're going to work off the assumption that you're not. We're going to work off the assumption that you are not one of these special souls that has the capacity to know Hashem in such a way to really remake yourself, to make yourself worthy of experiencing the divine bliss that turns you into a tzaddik. We're going to assume that's not the case. And, and And that kind of thing is the kind of thing that a person doesn't really have complete control over, which we're going to talk about. 
Nonetheless, do you have some aspect of control and something along those lines, and therefore you're obligated to yes? In other words, the, again, the Altarbis' interest here is not saying, ooh, they're a tzaddikim or they're non tzaddikim. Like, it's not about tzaddikim versus non tzaddikim. It's there's two, two avenues, two modes of serving Hashem. One is being a Benini, which is, even though I have an evil connection, even if I'm an animal soul, I can set that aside out of my deep connection to Hashem. And then there is experiencing the divine bliss and freeing myself of all attachments to the physical world. Which one am I supposed to do? Can they be like steps one to another? They could, but since, but answer my question first. Which one am I supposed to do? The... Both. Which one am I capable of? Just the one. Do you see a problem? Yes. Okay, that's the point of this chapter. How is it the point? Because we didn't, because we, we did, I, 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 I mean, read the, you can read the rest of the chapter on your own, but that's what he's going to go on to say. He's now going to shift to talk about the idea that we're obligated both to be a tzaddik and not to be a rasha. Why do we need two obligations? How they're different? How we have to still fulfill both? In other words, instead of thinking this about categorizing people, think it about like these are different ways of approaching things, different paths we can take. And then this question, you want me to take this path, but, I'm not, but I can't succeed in this path, so what, is, what, what am I supposed why to do? I, wait, not why would I, what am I supposed to do? I'm a little confused about whether we're obligated to be a tzaddik or mm-hmm. to try to be a The direct quote is that you are given an oath when you are born to hey tzaddik, which literally translates be a tzaddik. And then you're given a second oath. Al Russia. Russia. Don't be a wicked person. Which one do you have to do? Yeah. Both. Which one are you capable of doing? Just not being a Russia. See, this is this is okay. This is where he wants to get to. These are two different approaches. The second half of the chapter is more interesting than the first half. Okay, that's what he's going to go into. Why do we have these two different obligations? Because they're two different things. They're two different paths. Right. As, in, as in one is... Well, it's more involved. Because can you be a tzaddik without first being a Benini? So really you could just say be a tzaddik, right? No, because they're two different things. I, I don't know what... It's a different process. It's not a matter of like, baby is a lower level topic and this is all we can get for, so this is all you should try for. But it doesn't say that at all. Right. It's the exact opposite. Yeah, so. Thank you.